Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. This doxology that we see here, when they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, this is one of 14 times in the book of Revelation where we see these worship, spontaneous worship happening. We see it here in chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to see it again with the 24 elders. Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Truth in Christ Radio with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The cherubim we have been learning about at the foot of God's throne consistently repeat the phrase, Holy, Holy, Holy. God's holy nature and character is declared and emphasized with a three-time repetition. In Hebrew, the double repetition of a word adds emphasis, while the rare threefold repetition designates the magnificent and calls attention to the infinite holiness of God. Now let's open our Bibles to Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 6, and follow along with Pastor Rob. Revelation chapter 4. We've been stuck in chapter 4. Because it's really the last section of the book of Revelation. Remember John in verse 19 of this, he gives us the outline. The outline is, the Lord told him to write down the things which you see, the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And you and I are in, is still in the church age, but chapters 4 and chapter 5 begin. The very first words of chapter 4 are meditata after these things. So it's after these things. After what things? After the church age, which we are still a part of, right? We're still a part of the church age, I hope, right? But we know that that age, that time is coming to an end, and it ends when the rapture of the church begins. As soon as the rapture occurs, the church age comes to a close. And chapter 4 and chapter 5 are really... Uh, us meeting the Lord in the air, and we are caught up to heaven, and we will be with him. Our bodies will be transformed. It's a wonderful day. I look forward to it. The Bible calls it the blessed hope. Are you looking forward to it? I am too. I am too. And so the now the shift changes from that of being on the earth in chapters 2 and 3 to a heavenly realm. So chapters 4 and chapter 5 is where we are going to be with Jesus right prior to his pouring out of wrath upon the world. And we're going to be looking at chapters 6 through 19 that details that in painful detail. Because, folks, do you understand that that time is coming? That time is coming. And so that is what we are looking at, and that's what we have been looking at over the last 
three or four weeks, and hopefully we'll finish four and get into five today. So let's begin. Uh, John is now caught up into heaven. He is uh, in the spirit. Somehow his body was physically on the Isle of Patmos, but spiritually God was able to translate him, in a sense, to a place yet future to even us. He's able to show him things to come so that he can write these things down. And again, I find great comfort in the fact that God gives us what we need to know in advance. He's a good shepherd. That's what a good shepherd does. Any good shepherd goes before the sheep. We've seen this in Israel. A shepherd will go out into the field. He's going to look at all the stuff in the field, poisonous plants, all that stuff. He's going to pick those things out, pick those things out if he knows they're there so that he can bring the sheep in. And he does that in preparation. And so Jesus does the same thing for us. He prepares us. So he's showing us things to come, things that are going to happen after these things. And you and I understand that we're going to be taken up and this information that we're reading about now, especially as we get into 6 through 19, people on this earth are going to experience these things. And I don't know about you, but that's a a, a catalyst, really, for me to get out of my comfort zone. Because as I look at those things that are coming upon the earth, and yes, judgment is coming. It's It's a message nobody wants to talk about. They want to talk about, you know, angels on clouds and all these things and just continue to Make everything like, well, everything's okay, I'm okay, you're okay. No, we're, we're, we're not okay. This earth is not okay. The church is doing well, hopefully, because we believe in Jesus, although we got some room for growth, right? I think we could all say that. But the world is a complete disaster. It's a mess. And it's a mess because they've rejected the only means of salvation, Jesus Christ. There is only one other way then. God gives the opportunity for every human being to receive him, but he's not going to force you. And there comes a point where he has to judge. A God is a God of love, but on the other side of that love is he has to punish sin. And that's exactly what's happening, folks. And so it behooves us then, doesn't it? It behooves us to get that message out. And don't water it down. Don't take back things that you don't like to talk about. Nobody likes to talk about judgment, but it's part of the whole thing. We can't remove the teeth of the gospel. If you just tell people that you need to receive Jesus because he loves you, that's, that's wonderful. But I'll tell you what, you know how I got saved? You know how I received Jesus? Because somebody told me in my face lovingly, I didn't like it, but it was the greatest truth that was ever spoken to my soul. Rob, you are a sinner. And here's what the Bible says about that. But God loves you. Such a interesting paradox, isn't it? That he's a God of love, that, but yet he's a God who judges as well, because that's a part of love. You can't just be all loving and never, never uh, have consequences for sin. You, as a parent, you know that. You love because as a result of your love, you have to discipline. My mother proves to me that she loves me by disciplining me. And God does too, and he makes no excuses for it. Everyone has an opportunity. And so what decision have you made today for Christ? I'll leave you with that as we go. Because there may be some of you online, there may be some of you here, who maybe have been playing games, thinking, I'm okay. I'm a Christian by name. But is it true of your life? Is it true of your heart? Because God looks on the heart. We can fool each other, but you cannot fool God.
So let's put aside all of the religion. Let's put aside all, and I, I say that meaning we can, we can have this external works of things. Well, I've done this. I've done this. I tie this much every week, and I go here, and I go here, and I do that. And I mean, never mind that I'm a drunkard. Never mind that I'm, you know, uh, having an affair in my marriage. Never mind that I'm a liar and a cheat at work. All those things matter. And so God is a God of judgment as well as a great God of love. And you can't, you can't remove the one. Don't remove the one. Fear. <laughs> if, if it takes that, fear is not a bad thing. Fear is what brought me into the kingdom of God because somebody told me, Rob, if you don't, re- if you don't repent of your sins, if you don't turn away from your sinful life, this is what the Bible says, you're going to hell. And I read that, and oh, how the conviction came. It was my time, and you've had that time too. Don't remove the teeth from the gospel. Very rarely seen today in churches. Do you know that? And it's very hard, isn't it? It's not easy to tell somebody that they're a sinner, but you know, you can lovingly tell them the truth, but we must do it. And so these chapters four and five are really important because, and I love it, it's sort of like the bliss before the judgment, because now we're getting a vision of heaven, the heavenly throne room. We've been spending some time in here, and it's so wonderful. Let's look at verse six, because we've already looked at the first five verses last week. Notice it talks about this, uh, the sea of glass, like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne, there were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. And we spent some time talking about these four living creatures last week, and we won't re- go over that again. But the first creature was like a lion. The second li- living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle and we looked at the different ways in which this could be symbolic of it could be symbolic of the four gospels and we looked at all of that it could be symbolic of the four different uh uh camps that the israelites would um would camp out in the desert they each had their own ensign or their own banner for these four different groups three tribes on each side north you know north south east and west it could be referring to that, speaking of the totality of the children of Israel. could be speaking of the Gospels, like I said. could be speaking of the different creatures in God's creation, how the ox is the greatest of the, uh, you know, the domesticated animals. The lion is the king of the jungle, of the, you know, the, the top of the food chain, in a sense. The king of all the animals. The eagle, certainly being the king of all the birds. Speaking of the heavenly origin of Jesus, and certainly man, speaking of God's workmanship, who you and I both are. We are his poema, his workmanship. And there were also other things that we discussed, but again, we won't go into that. But notice in verse, um, uh, let's see, verse 8 is where we're going to pick up this morning. So the four living creatures... These wonderful creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I love what it says in the Greek. Hagios, 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 Kyrios, Theos, Pantocrator. Wonderful. My mother-in-law, who's probably listening, is going, Wow, I didn't know he knew Greek. I really don't. I didn't pronounce it well either, Mom. Sorry about that. 
But these are the, the titles of God. And we'll see as we look at these creatures, their, their main thrust is worship. Notice their, their, their doxology here, their worship. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. You know, that worship, when you, when you think of worship, it's ascribing worth to something that's way better than yourself. That's why we pay, you know, you bow down before a magistrate. Or in the old days, before somebody would go before a king, they would bow down before the king. They're acknowledging, they're ascribing worth to the one sitting on the throne. And how much more should we ascribe greatness and, and, and worth to the one who created all things? No matter what king has ever existed on the earth, think of it. The king of kings. Jesus Christ, he alone deserves our worship, doesn't he? And these four living creatures, they rest, they don't rest, day or night. And that's all they do. And I don't think it's like, oh, for the four, four, four millionth time, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who else in this? Oh, oh, excuse me. Uh, you know, they're not falling asleep. They are excited. They are amazed. And you know what? I want that kind of reverence and awe of God. So often in our culture, in our life, we can get kind of bogged down in the mundane things of the world, our our routines, and yet God hasn't changed. He is who he is. And one day, you and I are going to see him face to face, and everything is going to change. Everything will change, and it won't be, there won't be any tiredness. There'll be a realization of really who he is and who we are, and the great gulf that was between, and Jesus, the one who was that intercessor for us. We are going to be totally undone, and it'll never cease. We'll have a capacity that will never diminish. Do you understand? Because my feelings, unfortunately, work against me in this life. I can have great moments of when I'm worshiping the Lord, you know, singing, and I'm just like, especially in my car. I love singing in my car. If you ever pull up next to me when I'm out driving around in my car in the, around town, and you see my face, and I'm, and I'm, I'm singing to the top of my lungs, and, and you can hear the stereo blasting through the metal of the car, I am loving. Those are some of my favorite times. I'm alone, nobody can hear me. But these creatures, they cease not day and night. And you know, we ought to be excited. We ought to be excited about him. I hope that all of you, again, will be challenged by that. You know, let yourselves uh, go, in a sense. We know that there's, a, there's an order to our services, you know. But I think we can, uh, we can, we can take a little bit of loosening up a little bit. Because I think uh, when I look at David and I look at the, the Israelites as they worship, that there was, it was really beautiful. I remember back in, uh, what was it, 2011, one of the trips in Israel, we were right there by the, right there by the Western Wall complex. And there was a bar mitzvah happening close by. And I'll never forget what a joyous occasion it was. I mean, they had this young man who's 13. You know, he's a, he's a man of the law now, right? And so they got him up on the, they, they got him up on their shoulders and they're dancing around and it's just so jubilant. And we, we just happened to be walking in the midst of them down this aisle, down this alleyway, and they were all pouring out into the alley and it, and it just, you get caught up in it. And I thought to myself, wow, this is so exciting. I started to dance myself. You know, being around them and, and just the, the joy. And I thought to myself, wow, one day we're going to do that. One day we're going to do it and we'll be uninhibited, 
uninhibited. I would encourage you, if there's any inhibition in you, ask the Lord, Lord, remove it. Believe me, if we start getting really weird, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, all right? But I don't think we even have to worry about that. So be encouraged and, and worship the Lord. Love him. And um, this doxology that we see here, when they say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, this is one of 14 times in the book of Revelation where we see these worship, spontaneous worship happening. We see it here in chapter 4, verse 8. We're going to see it again with the 24 elders in uh, verse 11 of this chapter, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures uh, in the next chapter, uh, chapter 5 and verses 9 and 10. We're going to see it again in chapter 7, verse 12, the 24 elders, the angels, and the four living creatures. And then in uh, chapter 11, verses 16 through 18, the 24 elders. And then in chapter 19, verse 4, we're going to see it again, the 24 elders and the four living creatures ascribing worship, greatness to the King of kings, the Lord of lords who made all things. And there are many more that are in there. Those are just a handful that I had mentioned. But I want to read something to you. These four living creatures... Even in the Old Testament, we know that in the book of Isaiah, written 700 years before Jesus became incarnate in the Virgin Mary. What does it say in Isaiah chapter 6? Let me read it to you for the sake of time. You might want to write the reference down. But Isaiah speaking, he says, In the year that King Uzziah died, who was the king of Judah at the time, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. So Isaiah sees this vision. High and lifted up, I see him high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim. Seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one cried to another and said, again, another doxology, another spontaneous act of praise. What did they say? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Wow. I don't know about you, but I want to get captivated. I want to get caught up into that, don't you? Just like that bar mitzvah in Jerusalem when they were just all dancing around. It became, I felt like, man, I got to dance. I got to get, I got to get motivated. It just, it, it inspires you. Let God inspire you. He's worthy of inspiration. He gives the inspiration. He gives it. So we see in Isaiah's prophecy, in his uh, book, the prophet. We see these four living creatures as well. We see it also in Ezekiel chapter 1. Uh, you can turn there if you'd like. We'll read just the first 14 verses of this really quick. It talks about these four living creatures too. And you'll notice that there, there's a little bit difference between, a little bit of difference between the prophets and how they describe these creatures. Again, they're trying to describe something in the language that is available to them. And they're trying to describe something that is really beyond description. So we got to cut them a little slack. There's a lot of similarities. There's a few differences. But that may just be the, what they saw. I mean, there, there's, there's things about this that we can't be totally cut and dried and dogmatic about. So look at uh, Ezekiel chapter 1. It says, it came to pass. Now remember, Ezekiel now is in captivity in Babylon. He was probably in the second wave, the second deportation of Jews that went into captivity before Nebuchadnezzar finally destroyed uh, Jerusalem in 586. But it started in 606, if you remember. And Daniel and his fellows got carried away to Babylon. And the second wave, when they came back and took even more captive, Ezekiel was among that number. So now he's in Babylon, and he's writing this 
is writing this prophecy not only to those who are with him, the fellow Jews that have been taken captive in Babylon, but he's also writing about events that are going to occur in Jerusalem yet. And he describes this wonderful scene. He says, It came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Just as we saw Isaiah, the Lord did the same thing with him. And on the fifth day of the month, which is the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar. So we know who the vision is, we know where it's taking place. And the hand of the Lord was upon him. And it says in verse 4, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and the brightness was all around it, and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And here we have them again. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. The hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides and each of the four had faces and wings and their wings touched one another. These creatures did not turn when they went, but they each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of a man. Each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side. Each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. And so he, he describes these creatures that we see here now in Revelation and the picture is consistent, although slightly varied, but again, try to understand that they're trying to use symbols and pictures to describe something that is really indescribable. And so we see the reality of this heavenly throne room. The one who sits on the throne, God the Father, who alone is spirit. You cannot see God the Father. Jesus is the only one physically of the Godhead that you're able to see. He was the only one who manifested himself in a physical form. Through the Virgin Mary, through the incarnation, we were able to reach out. The apostles, the disciples, they were able to touch him and to handle him. They were able to see him and talk with him. Until he was crucified and resurrected, until he ascended, he was very physical. And do you know right now there is a physical man in heaven in his glorified body from his resurrection. His resurrection body, the same body, folks, that you and I are going to receive. Are you looking forward to that? I'm looking forward to that new body. So, in verse 9, back in our text this morning, in Revelation 4, notice, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, notice, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. Do you get the point that he's he's not going to die? He's going to live forever and ever, right? And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, you are worthy. Here's another doxology right here, another spontaneous burst of praise. You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist, and they were created. The glory it speaks, you know, when these living creatures give glory, it's the word doxa. It's where we get doxology. It just means worship. It means an estimate, our opinion. 
That's what it means. Glory and honor. It speaks of value. It speaks of esteem of someone who is precious. And that's who Jesus is. He is precious. And then it goes on and talks about whenever the living creatures give glory and honor, they also... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.